That's a different song. Yeah, well, that's kind of. I don't know. What are you doing to that microphone over there? This is not EDMPR. Wait, what do you call that? ADMP. ASMR? ASMR. Oh my God. You're so old. You're over here like. Ew. I hate that trend. I hate that everyone tries to do it. You hate it? I hate that everyone. I thought you were an inclusive person. I just hate everyone trying to do it. Oh. You know, like for their own shows and stuff. Mm. Like every podcast has tried to do it. Every YouTuber has done a video like that. I can't watch those videos. It annoys me. (laughs) It's like keep it in the community because that's a community on YouTube. Right. It's like, why not just keep it there? Well, this is just like anything. We why, This is the well, cycle but of this pop one, culture. This one's disruptive to my viewing and listening. <laughs> it is. So that's why it makes me mad. Makes sense. We'll never do an ASMR episode. Trust. Are you sure? Stop it. That makes me annoyed. What do you guys think out there? <laughs> why don't you tweet us at High Key Book Club Ugh. and let us know your opinion? Do you want to hear a High Key Book Club ASMR episode? Creators are always like, oh my God, everyone's been telling me to do ASMR. It's like, no one told you, bitch. <laughs> like, one person probably said it, you know? <laughs> uh, it's just annoying how, uh, I don't know. It's an annoying trend. We've gotten so many requests to do this episode, so we're <laughs> going to spend half an hour rubbing our microphones and... Whispering. Speaking as low as we can, like we're in trouble in middle school. <laughs> I did get in trouble once. Did they make you t- use your six-inch voice? Six inches? You never that heard that? big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. It's true. It needs to be like a one-inch voice. Yeah. No, I got in trouble because I was talking during a performance, and... That was my only time ever I got in trouble for talking. How rude. I know. You talk during a performance. Where's your theater etiquette? <laughs> I was like in fourth grade. Was... Third, I was in third grade. Oh, wow. That's very young. Yeah. Well... That was the only time I got in trouble for talking. Everyone was so <laughs> shook. And What if that's like you're triggered from that and you haven't well, been able to get past it? No, because even then I was like everyone couldn't believe it. You know, I just got excited. <laughs> <laughs> with my friend and then you never talked to anyone again <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh no well welcome to high key book club where we book club movies and tv shows mm-hmm. uh, we're a podcast and we are <laughs> excited to have you listening to our show today i am cameron i'm Selene. sorry last episode was sleepy it was really late at night <laughs> it was thank you for apologizing it's <sighs> yeah. been on so many of our minds <laughs> Yeah, but this this episode we're book clubbing something very special. That's right, and and it's daylight, daytime. We got some sunlight yeah, pouring into the studio <laughs> rather than the moonlight. Yeah, the dark shadows of the evening. I'm excited to cover a TV show. Yes, I feel this, like it's it's rare ish. Not it's, as common. It, not as common because it's harder to for Cameron to watch. <laughs> so yeah, let's be perfectly <laughs> clear. I did not watch this whole TV show. He did not up front. We're so this covering... is Eleni. She she did finish watching it all, and mm-hmm. then she asked me to watch the uh, like pilot of the three seasons that are that have that have aired aired so to speak on Netflix of this show. Uh, so I, we watched those three episodes, or I did. We watched them together. Uh, what's the show? One day at a time. So normally on Haiki, if you know Haiki, we do the first half is spoiler free and the second half we discuss with spoilers of everything and whatever we're covering. We spoil it. Yeah. And for this one, I think I want to do the first half 
we just focus on the pilot, and then the second half we can focus on the other two episodes. And the we're third covering. Half? Huh? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> the the other half will cover the other two episodes, which. So that that'll be more for people that have seen the whole series, but the specific episodes we're covering are the premieres of each season. So the pilot in the first half and then the second half, uh, season two, episode one and season three, episode one. Okay, that sounds good. And I mean, just the preliminary stuff is that this is a Netflix show. Yes. Uh, I guess it got started around 2016. 2017. Oh. And it's a reimagining. Well, <laughs> that's what they call official. it. <laughs> that's the official term. Based on imaginary events. <laughs> No, reimagining. I, I know. I'm just I'm just riffing here <laughs> off of the popular preambles of movies and uh, TVs. Okay, so a reimagining. It's a of, as opposed to a remake. Of that '70s show. No, not that '70s show, but that show that was in the '70s. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> uh, yes. So it was by the same name. It was called One Day at a Time, and it was, was like that a white family. It was. It was from the mid-70s to the mid-80s on TV, I guess. And it was developed by Norman Lear, mm-hmm. who did All in the Family mm-hmm. and some other, a bunch the, of shows. Probably the Jeffersons. Probably, I don't know. Like, everything basically spun off from All in the Family from the early 70s. And Norman Lear really dominated the kind of TV sitcom arena for those two decades up through the late 80s for the most part. And then well, TV still kind of started now. changing. Well, so kind of. So that that show. Does he do the middle? No. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Uh, maybe Modern Family. I don't he know. does this one. So hold uh, on. So I mean, that makes sense. The 70s, one day at a time. It was a white family and it's very different from this Netflix new version. It was more, the new one is about a Cuban American family and their issues. And the first one was more about second wave feminism was kind of the thing because it was a, a, similarly a single mom and her two daughters and very coming of age so instead of focusing on more being cuban-american in the u.s it was more focusing on being a woman i guess Mm -hmm. and a single woman and more feminist take since that was popular at the time it was popular (laughs) i mean it it was a like you said a second wave second wave of feminism What's the first wave? Oh, man, you're testing me. <laughs> and this is actually a debate. Because you should know if you're some, a true ally. Well, wow. <laughs> hold up. Do you know? No. <laughs> so, but you're but, a nerd. But then there's debate about whether or not there are like three or four waves of feminism. And What are the first two, though? Uh, I mean, I would imagine that the first one would technically kind of be the right to vote women's oh. uh, feminist movement in the early 21st century. I'm pretty sure the second wave is like wanting equality with men. Mm-hmm. Like kind of... Well, so probably there's, there are issues. That's probably where the Equal Rights Amendment yes, conversation definitely. came from. Okay, that that makes sense. What's the third wave? The It's a, the modern one, which is, you know... It, Gender fluid? Like, no. yeah, <laughs> and like inclusive, but then also there's this move, like a choice feminism movement, which I guess is kind of a characteristic of the third wave maybe, but then also there are, it detracts from uh, other feminists that say that it's not, it doesn't do enough to push the envelope and it's not, or I, I don't know. So the choice feminism thing is all about if a woman chooses to want to 
participate in the gender uh, norms that the society has set up for them, then, then that's her choice to do it, and that's okay. Whereas maybe like second wave or more progressive ones say that that, that is not okay because yeah. they uh, are choosing the wrong thing. Like brainwashed. Yeah, but, you know, it's... I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't know too much into it. And obviously I don't know the female experience, but I think that the choice feminism at least is a more democratic in the sense that it's like including the uh, women entirely, you know, saying that it's okay as long as they feel like that is the conscious choice that they want. Yeah, for themselves, it's for a hard lives. one. It it's is. a hard one for me. And I so don't know those were the what's ty- right. And I got uh, turned on to these things or just informed about these fractions within the feminist movement from the reality TV class that I took over at UT and all the papers that we had to read more. These shows either leaned into these uh, issues or, you know, pushed up against them. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that was the seven. Sorry. Well, the Real, Real Housewives. housewives. <laughs> like, I mean, the, all the Real Housewives. I would say The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah. I would say The Bachelor pushes against it because mm-hmm. they are very much enforcing like gender norms. Yes. Uh, instead yes. of trying to break them, very much like, trying to say you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, and then compare that to the Drag Race, where it's all about breaking. It's kind of opposite, breaking stereotypes. It's it's as uh, I think Shay said in this finale episode we just watched. <laughs> she said, "Drag is all about putting, uh, giving the middle finger to gender mm-hmm. rules." And Sasha rules of gender. always says that too. Mm-hmm. Ever, that's what RuPaul says. Everyone. Anyway, now back to 2017. Norman Lear wants to reimagine his previous sitcom. One day at a time with a Cuban American family. And truly, Norman Lear, I feel like, what a definition of an ally as a straight white man, I think, trying to bring these voices to TV, even from back back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he has like a foundation and he just seems like what a great example of an ally. And he's super old now. I think he's in his 90s. Yeah, he's got to be he's like at least ni- in the late 80s. He's definitely, I think, in his 90s. And he's still like fighting for the show and he executive produces this. Mm -hmm. And then the main showrunners and writers are Gloria Calderon Kellett and Mike Royce. And apparently Gloria is the voice behind a lot of the Cuban everything. I mean, this show has so many References. references just to Latino culture. It's hella accurate. And... That's from her. And then Mike Royce brings more of like the parent because he's a white dude. <laughs> sort of, he has kids the age of the kids and one day at a time. So he sort of brings that aspect more. What's his name again? Mike Royce. Mike Royce. He wrote on Everybody Loves Raymond and Gloria wrote on How I Met Your Mother. I think those are the biggest things each of them had done. Those are a couple of big shows. Yes. So interesting to see them come into the streaming space. Yes. One Day at a Time is a multicam sitcom with a laugh track and uh, or filmed in front of a live audience. I did find out that it was a real audience. On Wikipedia, when I was looking it up, I saw it was it was not labeled as a sitcom. It was labeled as a dramedy. Uh, well, and, and that's interesting. I thought that too, and I at first I saw that, and I was so I was like, "What? How dare they?" It's like constant laughs all the time. And no, it's not though. Why no? 
I, it's just like I, I, I just thought of the laugh track and I thought of all the jokes. I mean, I definitely noticed that that uh, that I mean, it's similar to Everybody Loves Raymond in a way, because Everybody Loves Raymond was kind of famous for having really sincere, deep moments. But all the time. So I, I thought kind about it I at think. first. I was just surprised because on the surface, it does seem sitcomish, like any other yeah, of jokes, because there's a lot of jokes. And then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, like every episode has really deep emotional moments. Based on what we watched, there was always a real moment. Yeah. And it's in every episode almost. Mm. I'm pretty sure in all of them. And apparently that's a very staple of Norman Lear's mm. projects. Mm -hmm. They're more dramedy like that. And the original was like that. And a lot of his shows were. So I thought that was interesting because I don't know. At first glance, I was like dramedy because dramedy, I think more like glee or like... Those types of hour-long, you know, single cam. Yeah, shows. Shows that have more, I don't know, it, feel, it feels like the comedy. Like, uh, as dramedy, I think it's a lot more drama with, like, two jokes per well, episode. Sure. You well, know? And, and then also with multi-cam sitcoms, I think we we're just a use, yeah. so used to it being this continuation of jokes yeah, in this like one friends. house setting or whatever the main setting is. Right, and... and That's why I was so thrown by the label at first but then thinking about it i was like and rewatching, i was like wow yeah it's a dramedy because mm -hmm. it has deep moments every episode and they're deep yeah we and we got those with the episodes that i watched yeah too. uh do you want to start talking about the pilot yeah so in the pilot we're introduced to the family the alvarez family uh i'm trying to go over their and, names and so that you can reference them so oh, pay attention <laughs> oh no i need to make a list hold on i'll write it down no you don't no don't take my zine is that what this is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. Oh, okay, gosh. You don't need this to is horrible. There's I'm like, not going to remember. There's like five characters. <laughs> and they're easy. They're all names of my family. Literally. Go on. So we're introduced to... I, our protagonist, I would say... Is? Penelope. Penelope. Which is... Penny. Penny. So people call her Lupita. So but it's weird. So her name is Penelope. And she's the mom. The She's in her late... Or she's like 40 late 30s around there <laughs> and she's a nurse who served uh, she's a veteran she served in afghanistan in the army as a nurse i think an army nurse and penelope is not my name but it's what a lot of people thought my name was growing up why because people my family calls me penny oh and they we even see it in one of the episodes they're talking about how everyone has a nickname and mm. is it common cuban families okay yeah, literally everyone in my family, they're called something that's not their formal name. <laughs> I was Penny. It, it, everyone thought growing up my name was Penelope. And some people still call me Penelope. Yeah. And I feel very attached to that name. That's odd. <laughs> yeah. Even though you, you didn't have any say in that. No. And it's not my actual name. But I like it. Anyway, so that's the main the mom's name. So Lenny likes that name so much that she she will tell people that is her name when she's at the counter and they <laughs> ask what name it is so they can put it on her order. That's not the reason I do that. The reason I do that, and my mom does it too for herself. She calls herself Penny at restaurants. Why? Because it's easy and so Lenny's really hard. Yeah, but I like the other reason. I like to fantasize <laughs> well, better. it's fake, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, What's the, is that, give me the F? Like, instead of give me the tea? No. No. So her name's Penelope, but they call her Lupita. Lupita. Mm -hmm. And that's my grandma's nickname. But her name's Guadalupe. Just interesting. She has both her names. <laughs> Our fake names. 
But anyway, so Lupita is the mom. And then we have her mom, who's the grandma. Her name is Lydia. Lydia. She's played by the fabulous Rita Moreno, mm-hmm. who just became a P-got. She's not just an E-got. She, she has all of it. Emmy, Grammy. What did she have her Oscar for? West Side Story. Oh. She was like the sister or like oh. the cousin, like the, not the, ma- not Maria, but. Right. I, the evil sister. Kind of like the more sassy one. Yeah. That was her. Oh, wow. And apparently they're redoing it. West Side Story? Yeah. Steven Spielberg's doing oh. it. And she's, she's going to appear in it. <laughs> That's cute. It is. I'm excited to see it. She's amazing. Mm. I stand her so hard. I watched some interviews with her <laughs> uh, in preparation and. She's amazing. West Side Story was the first movie you and I watched together. It was. Wow. Yeah. How Rita. romantic. <laughs> Rita is just amazing. So she has an EGOT. And then she got a P. A Peabody Award. Oh. Which is a big deal. She was the first Latina PGOT. I, I think she's the third ever PGOT. She has that. She has a Kennedy Center Award. She has a Golden Globe. She has every award. Wow. I want to see herself. Her what? Oh, <laughs> yeah, and she's just so good, and she's amazing in the show. She, I feel like she, that's what won me over really quick. The mm. rest of it took a little time, like usual for me, but she won me over so fast. She's just so good and so fabulous in that role of the grandma. It's crazy. So I, I, I really liked her uh, performances and everything. She's so funny. She is. Uh, she's really eloquent and cool too in interviews. So you seemed to really think that she was accurate to your kind of grandmother well it's it's more this whole show feels a lot like my family just because it mirrors my family pretty exactly <laughs> like we had the same structure <laughs> that's so interesting i lived with my grandma who was also this superficial very mexican you know judgy <laughs> always trying to be done up and always judging <laughs> you for not being all done up you know <laughs> So I lived with my grandma and my single mom, who was also a badass, and then my little brother, who was obnoxious, I guess. And I was super nerdy, like Elena, who's the older teen daughter. Mm-hmm. So I relate to her a lot, being super nerdy and your family being like, what the hell? But she got like an like a D on that report. Well, it was on purpose to get them to... The, she, was sa- she was just threatening them about... It was our first spoiler, by the way. This is for the pilot. So if you haven't watched the pilot, go watch that. It's really quick on Netflix. And then in the second half, we'll talk about the other two episodes. Thanks for the update. <laughs> oh, she she got a D because she was trying. She didn't want to have a quinceanera. And her parents, her mom was forcing her to. And so she thought if she got a D, she'd get grounded. She was like, I'm going to keep getting bad grades unless you tell me to stop. Or if you let me not have oh. this party. Wow. And I really, I didn't have a quince. Oh, my God. That's sacrilegious, isn't it? (laughs) No, that was last episode. (laughs) Um, No, it's not. Uh, When you're poor, it's kind of more like, it's fine. I won't have one and it's okay, Uh, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Cancel. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean. It's okay. I didn't have that many birthdays growing (laughs) up. I I just don't like the attention and that freaks me out. Yeah, what I don't do want same. I don't you're, want a graduation party. You're obsessed with attention. I'm actually not. It's a false. You love it. I love attention when I am moving my body and <laughs> doing a good job at it and staying oh staying balanced on my feet. But otherwise, I don't like attention. 
Or like if it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. That's why I don't tell people about this podcast. I no. think you do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do. I think you do like attention and you love it. I'm a conflict. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm moody. Sometimes I, yes, sometimes no. I definitely don't like attention. So that's why I didn't want it. I did not want a quince. It's fine. I mean, I much prefer... I hate weddings, too. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say I prefer weddings because at least you share the attention with another person. That's cute. That's what I would say back then. But now I'm like so against weddings. I don't know. Oh, (laughs) wow. So you had your saying and now your saying no longer applies. Yeah, I guess. Wow. I've I've found myself in that boat before where like this thing I said all the time, it was always my saying and now I'm like, oh, maybe my opinion has changed. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember though. So, Elena, are you paying attention? I, are you following uh, yes, the, yes. the characters? Lupita uh-huh. and um, the grandmother. <laughs> Lydia. Lydia. Uh-huh. Uh, and then what's the daughter's name again? Elena. Elena. Which is similar in my name. Yes. Kind of ish not really it kind of is uh, it has the same middle uh, Ellen. Uh, <laughs> stretch but that's cool I, I i appreciate that only you know your name that well that's not true okay elena i relate to her a lot i even have the nerdy glasses and i'm also very white is she kind of emo no you don't think she's her emo? friend's emo oh you didn't see that yet no i couldn't tell if she was kind of emo or not she's not emo she's nerdy yeah which is how i was I was emo, but on the inside, which she is too. You know, <laughs> it's complicated. You don't you don't show it on the outside. You're too busy being a nerd. I guess. <laughs> uh, and then the little brother is Alex. Right. Which I have a half brother named Alex, so my little brother couldn't be named Alex. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but he would have been so had I not had an older brother already named Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so did he like skateboarding? Was that his? Who? Alex. No. Oh. He just liked sneakers. Oh, okay. You remember he like had the hack for the shoes? Like he peeled oh, off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty smart. It was like Shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's so what they that, that was a joke. The last cast member, kind of the doctor is another one. Um, <laughs> Schneider. Oh, the doctor is a recurring character? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He's not super main, but he's there most of the time. I didn't realize that. So the last main character is Schneider, who is the landlord. And... He resembles somebody not in your family, but in your family, too. Yes. (laughs) Which I can't say much about, but we also had a rich guy that was literally at our house every day. My mom's age. It's just funny. Like, it's hilarious to me how much this show mirrors my household growing up. It's really nice because it makes me feel like at home, (laughs) especially, you know? Wait, what's his name again in the the show? Schneider. Okay. I was going to say Sebastian. No. (laughs) No, Schneider, it's like a last name. Okay. And he's the only one that's kind of from the original. Mm -hmm. There was a Schneider in the original who was the handyman or something. (laughs) But there's not much other resemblances. So this guy is a rich guy who owns the building and he's pretty hipster. That's kind of his personality. Oh, he owns the building that they Mm -hmm. stay in? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's a landlord. That's interesting. He just hangs out there. Yeah, because he doesn't have a family. Oh. That's random. Yeah, but it's just, if I hadn't believed it in my own life, or if I hadn't witnessed it in my own life, <laughs> I wouldn't believe it. But yeah, so that's the family. You got it? Yep. In the pilot, we're introduced to Lupita first, that she's a nurse, that she was a veteran. Then she goes home and we sort of meet the family. Mm-hmm. We meet the little brother who's obsessed with 
being online uh, yeah. and buying sneakers. Oh. Remember? He, uh-huh. So she tells him, like, you have to buy you have to buy one pair of sneakers. To last for the whole year. For the whole year. And he's like, no, I wanted five for the semester. Well, five for each day of the week. Uh-huh. <laughs> And which honestly, if you had if you had that many for each day of the week, those shoes could last you for like five years. <laughs> well, that's what she means. She just get one and it lasts you one year. Same thing. He he likes sneakers, and it is so funny when he's like, "I know we're not rich, but are we poor?" Yeah, <laughs> like, that that's a that. great line. Oh my god, that kid is really good. I like him a lot <laughs> as he grows up too. I wonder. I wonder what else he was on, like. Well, he's on, he was on before this show. I think this is his big break. Oh. Obviously. I mean, he's pretty young when he starts. And Four. by the third season, he's pretty tall. Oh, like, really? Yeah, he's grown a little. I mean, you saw, you saw it. You just saw it a little backwards. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just that relatability of being like poor, but like you still have a computer. And a t- I, I, that's how we were, too. It's just funny. So he buys all the sneakers and she freaks out about it. Right? That's the pilot. Yeah. And... The storyline with Elena is that they want her to have a quinceañera, especially her grandma, Lydia, is pushing it really hard. And she's very much a tomboy and just isn't interested in it. And she is a super feminist, thinks it's like a symbol of the patriarchy and all that. So definitely can relate. (laughs) Not back then. I was not as woke. (laughs) But it's also like a sign of the times. I feel like, like, Elena's a teen in 2017, mm. and I feel like younger people are a little more aware of social issues, mm-hmm. and when I was in high school, it was like 2011, 2012, when there was a lot less awareness, mm-hmm. I feel like, for social issues, right? I don't know, because I'm not in, I don't know if I'm exactly in that age camp, but um like when you were know. a teen I mean I like to think so too um when you I were like a teen so. were people aware of social issues when i was a teenager uh maybe not quite in the way they are today <laughs> i mean yes because I, but it was unique just because my exposure was not a typical high school exposure i went to an arts high school where many of the people were either underrepresented or uh, you know or gay or lesbian or yeah i guess when you're exposed so it was you a learn lot, more yeah so it was a lot more open in that sense but were um, you aware of social issues like uh, race issues and gender issues so i i was more not politically. personally but others probably were but i was not personally were they like were your friends i think so i think some what of them mean were you think so? i especially think the y- artists were because the artists like in their art definitely <laughs> represented that <laughs> Like, they were a lot more hip to that, I felt like, than the theater department, yeah. maybe. But even the theater department was pretty, especially in regards to race, maybe a little bit of the gender, too. But it's, I was kind of naive to it all. Woke. That's my own fault. I had a big wake-up moment back in, like, 2012, I think it was, the first time I really acknowledged that, like, racism was uh, an issue. Um, Privilege. Yeah, that was exactly the term that um, opened my eyes to it all and i i was a denial of it at first um but I, this was also before i had even 
taken one college class and like by the time I was into like my second semester of community college all of these topics were starting to come up and so that was one thing that just made me realize how much distance and separation there was from the academic world versus the real world where these themes and issues are not really talked about at the blue collar level yeah which I think is just a reality that many others maybe who are not in the blue collar world understand yeah college helped me a lot because I was not very woke Mm -hmm. in high school it was really when I Elena the character in one day at a time reminds me a lot of me in college more Mm. almost Mm -hmm. like learning about feminism a lot more and underrepresentation gender and sexual like everything I feel like I, I really understood it in college throughout now I get mad at my mom for things and you know she's very confused you know mm. <laughs> which is funny to see it represented a lot in one day at a time how Elena will bring these social issues up and her grandma and mom are just like what <laughs> I mean but they're nice and accepting so they set a good example but they're still realistic in that that's what I liked about the Lupita character yeah she that's the thing so one day at a time is she's been, like open-minded but also realizes she's an adult that has to play into it a little bit yeah exactly yeah she she plays along and i feel like that's how my mom treated me and how i was able to just feel comfortable with myself because my mom helped me she she always played along even though i was like super nerdy and over the top with things you know so it it sets a good example and it's very realistic it's no secret this is podcast is very timely, sad. One day at a time got canceled by Netflix. I thought you were going to save that for the big reveal at the end. No. <laughs> right now is the pilot part. Okay. Their, their reason was that there was not enough numbers behind it, watching it. But you give them a big but. They're racist. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> you were just so good to say it. You, you, were ta- you were telling me about the very minimal promotion yeah. efforts that I they gave to it. That's That's the thing. I think it was... The people just didn't know. It, it People didn't know. And it, was, it might be a fault of... Was the branding kind of wrong? No, the branding's fine. It's 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 about like market, like getting it out there. And it's also about marketing to a specific group, a Latino audience. And it could be just that maybe the marketing team is super white or something and don't know. I see it all the time. People want to target certain minorities to, you know, be aware of whatever the company's doing, but no one on the team understands those people. <laughs> and so I think it's hard. I think marketing towards minorities is still a very like new concept that people and companies don't have a grasp on yet. Hmm. And I see it a lot in like South by Southwest panels. It's always like how to target minority. Like there's, I went to several workshops about that and how to talk to the Latino audience. Like it's feels like a new thing, you know? And it's like, well, if you have a Latino show, you need to market it right to the people that would enjoy it and relate to it. The only times I had heard. How do you even though like market a Netflix show? Like, I feel like it's so elusive because it's Social not... Social media and commercials. There's commercials on there regular TV. There are for select TV. shows, for sure, but... Yeah, yeah, why not put one day at a time commercials on Univision? Or, uh, you know, those Spanish language... Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Netflix does it in general because they have so many shows that they pump through it. So it's yeah. like they have to have... Well, but this one is super highly rated. 
Like they should use those numbers to justify, hey, maybe we should market it more since it has such high ratings. It for season one has ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and seasons two and three have a hundred percent. That's great. I know. It's like you would think with those numbers, Netflix would then be like, maybe hey, this is a good show. Yeah, this is a quality show. Maybe we need to rethink advertising it. Like my mom, I told her about it and she watched it and she loved it. She mm-hmm. was crying. She loved it so much. And she was like, I'd never heard of it at all. Gosh, I wish I could just text my mom and say, hey, check out this show. I think you'd <laughs> like it. And she would get what I was saying to her <laughs> and know how to do it. Yeah, my mom is very tech tech savvy yes. enough. So I, I had only heard of it through like Twitter and some people on Twitter being like, Please watch this show. There's not enough people watching it. I would see that. Wow, and be it took like, like s- Twitter mobilization for you to hear about it. Well, but that was back then when it be- when it started, and I feel bad. I I like saw that, and I was like, oh yeah, I need to add that to my list, and then kind of forget about it because it's hard for me to start a new show. I have to be in the right like gap and other shows. You know, it's like <laughs> it's it's a lot. For I don't me. know. I've. I don't think it's that hard for you. I think you. It's hard for me to like click on the first episode. Once I I'm in, I'm in it through. Yes. Well, jump the opposite. Taking the jump on the I'll first. I'll watch a million pilots. Yeah, you will. Taking that first click. It took me <laughs> all this time. Taking the first click. It take it took me all this time, and. Can you relate? Literally the day after I started it. It got canceled. It's so sad. Horrible timing. Yeah. I what feel bad. What the heck is Lenny? But also, I hope I hope I get saved. Because it, it really I'll is... A Brooklyn Nine-Nine on it? Yeah. It mm. really is good. It would be interesting because I don't know... Like, has a broadcast, a regular network ever picked up a canceled streaming show? Well, I don't think they're necessarily only going for cable network. But you public. had mentioned that there are stipulations yeah. in their contracts regarding if they tried to get picked up by Well, but if it's the only thing they can get, then they might have to wait the time of the contract. So basically, uh, One Day at a Time has a contract with Netflix that it can't get picked up by a streaming service until three years after its cancellation with Netflix. Oh. So basically, they would have to wait. If another streaming service wants it, say Hulu, they would have to wait three years to put out the next but that's a long time and that's a long especially time. when you have two teenagers yeah, that's the main kids cast. and uh, it's just so so i don't think it's as practical of a choice it's really messed up though because netflix canceled it it's like you don't want it just so now give it a, i mean <laughs> let it maybe it brings some attention to how these streaming services craft their uh, craft their contracts with the shows that they order uh, if it, it, it doesn't provide the same types of flexibilities that something like Brooklyn Nine-Nine was able to have when it needed to transfer. Yeah, it's really upsetting. I think Netflix, like, I, it should be kind of under scrutiny. Um, I mean, I don't know that much personally about it because I never read my Netflix readings that I was supposed to in my classes. <laughs> but we definitely talked about it a lot in class about how they're known for being really strict with their uh, rules. And, I mean, they don't, they're don't they not held to that much scrutiny. And so, I don't know. Yeah, it makes me really upset because the show has impacted a lot of people. It's honestly, it's just hard, I feel like, sometimes for us minorities. Because a lot of the time we want to feel like like everyone else. Like the same and enjoy the same things as everyone. So sometimes something that's just, just marketed to you because it's diverse, it's like maybe... I, 
I don't know how authentic it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm skeptic. I'm often skeptical just because I don't know who's behind the scenes necessarily. So you think that Netflix gave them more freedom than they would maybe get on a broadcast TV? I'm not sure. I just mean like that's kind of also maybe why I didn't jump on it at it, watching it because it was just marketed as like oh it's Hispanic family and you'd think that's a no-brainer that would appeal to me but then sometimes I'm like well do they even know like who's you know do you think the thumbnail had any impact on your decision not too much I always like the thumbnail (laughs) but I don't know that's something I think about like how much the thumbnail impacts my right I'm not sure I just think like Sometimes when you see things just targeted as like you like you think, oh, it's probably just Netflix trying to get the Latino people. You know, it's it's hard not to be skeptical about it sometimes. But then after watching it, I am shocked at how accurate it is. And that's why I think it's important to preserve it, because that's the most important thing when it's authentic and true to the people it's representing. I mean, I think that of all of the like kind of networks and providers and streaming services, Netflix would be one of the most liberating ones in terms of giving them the most creative freedom to write and produce the show that they want to. Yeah. Um, But it's also sad just to kind of think about how at the end of the day, this is still a numbers game where even though you might have great merit uh, and renowned, uh, be renowned for the quality of your show and the content of your writing and performance. um, If the viewers just aren't there to sell it to, then they don't care about it. um, It's just hard. It's like it needs advertising and it's hard because I'm telling you, at face value, it looks like just every other multicam sitcom. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to explain to someone that it's like way deeper mm-hmm. than just a multicam sitcom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it looks you hear the laugh track and you're like, oh, that's not very modern. Well, no. You know, like the sitcoms now, I'm so used to the NBC format. Well, I mean, that's something that you, it's a taste thing that you've got to decide if you're willing to put up with for this show. Or do you think that 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 format is what maybe impacted the performance of this show? Because it's not, it's not in the style, in the cinematic style that is catering to younger audiences maybe, or what modern audiences are expecting in shows. Yeah, I think it's just not trendy right now. It feels like 90s. It's more it old-fashioned. feels very Friends, you know, I mean, it's literally the origins of TV, which that in itself is origins of, like, vaudeville theater. It's very yeah. much this proscenium style where you just have one a line dividing the ca- cameras yeah. and the audience and then the performance of the stage. Like, it's literally all sets and stages. Right. You know, you only see three walls of those rooms. Yeah, I, I normally definitely stay away from that. And makes sense. And it's just modern right now. Well, I, I think we've been raised to know that that's all a laugh track, right? That it's yeah, all see through. It's it's and it's cheesier. It's whatever. But I've I mean, seeing this show and seeing how good it is, like I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with the laugh track now. You okay, know? it made you reconsider. Oh, for sure. The merits of the style. Yeah, because okay. it 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 feels theatrical. It is very theatrical, it, it feels much more so than the single cams are in some ways. Exactly. I mean, it feels more like you're watching a play, and mm-hmm. with that, I can kind of, I feel better about the sitcom laugh track. Thing. I mean, honestly, I think that there might be, with you saying this and me thinking about it, there could be some potential to innovate in that realm, because if you think about it, we don't have really like multicam dramas. Right. Exactly. And this brings 
both the drama and the comedy and it's I, it just deserves so much more and I think the face value is what maybe made it not succeed mm. at Netflix Spider yeah so I don't know I think the multicam was part of why it might not have been as successful it's not what audiences are used to right now I mean that's a very interesting theory that I mean I just that kind of on top wanted, of I want to just overlook it and there was also though the reason why I think I I mean you still were, even right now I don't really care to watch it much just because I'm just not in generally that enthused by the multicam style I feel like after a couple episodes you were a little more charmed I mean I was a little bit more charmed I, sure. can, I think you if if you gave it a couple more you could <laughs> you could love it but that's like i mean it's testament to what you're saying because it's true i like purposely tuned it out, out because yeah. i automatically thought of it as lower grade which this is a conversation that we had in some of my media studies courses too yeah and de- i definitely thought that in the first episode when i was watching i was like ugh, like laughs and all that this is dumb and then i watched like two episodes and i was completely in love with the, the characters it's just good characters it's good writing it's authentic it has a million references to cuban and latino culture it's so real so the pilot we get introduced to that elena is resistant to having a quinceanera and her family's trying to persuade her and force her and trick her into doing it and then her mom finally gives up and her mom is also struggling with taking antidepressants which is a big deal in the Latino community that it's taboo to take medication. And you see it a lot with her trying to hide it from her mom. And finally, she talks to Elena and tells her, like, I just wanted you to have a quinceanera so that people would think I'm doing amazing as a single mom. Mm. And then Elena's like, yeah, I'll do it because I just want a good reason and it doesn't feel or like I'm fine with it as long as it's helping you look good in front of everybody. You know, you see that that's kind of the arc of the episode. And this prep for this quince sort of extends throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. And these are Oh, so is the quince era like the finale of the season? We'll save that for the spoilers, which oh, we'll move right we into. We might as well be in there already. No, we'll move right into spoilers. Okay. So we're going to move on from talking about the pilot to... <laughs> Talking about the next couple episodes. Okay. Okay, so now this is for people that have seen all three seasons. (laughs) (laughs) You were saying the quince is the finale of season one. I mean, that's what I'm assuming. It is. I'm saying. Yeah, okay. And I cried so hard. Ah. It has a very beautiful, like, final image of... So throughout the first season, Elena comes out as lesbian and you see her family, how they react. And honestly, I thought it was a very realistic depiction. That's what that's what the, the thing when some when media says we're so diverse, we show LGBT people and we show this and that. You always think it's or I sometimes think it's going to be like cheesy and over the top positive. And one day at a time. They're so authentic and they react the way I feel like a Cuban family would react in real life. It's not all like rainbows and happiness. And like, it's like the mom struggles to accept it a little bit at first, even though she's supportive. You know, it feels very real. 
I mean, these are like the human complexities that Norman Lear shows like to dive exactly. into. Exactly. It's the dramedy side. Mm-hmm. And they do a great job of doing it right. So the next episode we're going to talk about is the first episode of season two. Well, I'm just saying the season one episode, the season one finale, she's at her quinceanera. Mm -hmm. And she kind of comes out um, to everyone there. And her dad, who was supposed to do the father-daughter dance, she turns to like dance with him. Does he he, reject her? He's gone. (sighs) So she had come out to him like the day before. And he was like really mad about it. And so he still went to the quince, but then with the father-daughter dance came, when the father-daughter dance came around, she looks over at where her dad had been sitting and he's gone. Ultimately, he just didn't accept her as gay. And so she's just kind of standing there awkwardly with the father-daughter music playing. And then her mom gets up and dances with her and like hugs her. Hmm. Then the whole family sort of gets up one by one and joins and it's like really really sad (laughs) or it's just a very like emotional image Mm. all of them together it shows kind of how they support each other you know (laughs) it makes me cry and i was crying so hard at that and then my mom texted me the day after i had cried about that episode and she was like i was crying so hard at the finale (laughs) she was texting me that she was she was like i couldn't stop crying i was just thinking about how we were all alone and uh, she just related so much to that image. Man, that's cool. I haven't had a moment like that with my parents in a long time. Yeah. I, I was just happy that she got it. Because mm-hmm. I, I was like, is it just me that I'm woke that I like the show or something? But no, she related hardcore and loved it. So I was really happy. So the next episode we watched was season two, episode one, which I thought was an important one to cover just because it's kind of the most interesting and straightforward coverage of racism in the show mm. is this the one where he comes back the little ah uh, yeah yeah yes uh jeffrey no <laughs> alex alex yes. uh, comes home from school after getting bullied what was it were people like shouting at him from the bus or something well he he punched a kid oh. and so at first his mom's really mad right and they think that he's violent and yeah picking fights and stuff and we also see kind of the opening scene is them like cheering at the baseball game with the cuban flag and being very extra uh-huh. which is i so related to it was so embarrassing growing up my family is always screaming you know so much <laughs> yeah i have really loud family just like them he comes back and he's kind of mad about it mm-hmm. and they don't really know why and then it's like later he punches a kid and his mom's really upset and like mad at him and then he explains why and it's a really like jarring moment that's very complex and about racism because uh, someone the kid that he punched said go back to mexico mm. and they're cuban like on top of it just being racist it's like you know he's born there he's american he's not even anything to do with mexican you know it's like but they sort of talk it over about what they've been called and the racist experiences they have had and it's a very real conversation and they talk about uh schneider who Mm -hmm. who's there always (laughs) he's an illegal immigrant from canada but he's never had any incident and he's like oh i wonder what he's dumb you know (laughs) And then we also have the conversation of Elena being white passing because she's really light. That's right. And she's like. And that was my first time to ever see that depicted in 
media yeah it's before. it's the nuances of being latinx latinx mm-hmm. and i those jokes about latinx it's so real <laughs> like the kleenex <laughs> have a latinx <laughs> <laughs> it's just so accurate i just would have always called it uh latin x well that's in, in english or yeah. like a very white way to say, or American way to say, it, but with a Mexican or a Hispanic accent, it's Latinx, yeah. or that's how you said in Spanish, right. Latinx. It's just funny. Yeah, it's it's those are the nuances of being Latinx in the U.S. It's not all just like we're all this, or we're all immigrants, we're all brown, we're all white, we're all black. Like it's so nuanced, <laughs> even in your own families. Like you can be white passing, and those. It it also showed the racism of the grandma. Right. Which is so real. Like, that's what I was afraid it would omit just to show everyone Cubans are positive. You know, they're all great people. You know, it's it's like it shows the reality that within our families, there's still the racist older gen that's like closed minded. And it's like Cubans are mostly white people. It's like, oh, my God, that's so repeated that. Yeah, because it's really what grandmas say (laughs) that's my grandma would say you know it's those nuances are so realistic Mm -hmm. and that's why i thought that episode was so great even my mom commented on it she was after she told me she had been crying she was like and the episode after that about racism was like so good Mm -hmm. like i was like i know (laughs) it was just the best fictional representation i've seen of racist nuances Mm -hmm. within the Hispanic community. It's crazy. I didn't think it was possible to see such specifics, you know? I always just expect the generic, oh, I'm Latino. Like in Well, it sounds even, like they just have a really good team of writers that are sensitive oh, and they knowledgeable do. They about have one of the most, these types of relationships. They have one of the most diverse writing rooms mm-hmm. ever. It said on the Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, Which is a big deal. I mean, that, that in alone deal. should be championed Well, for the you show. can see it. Yeah. Like... For example, the NBC shows that mm-hmm. have, like, I'm thinking Superstore has uh, the lead as Latinx, <laughs> America Ferrera, and then the Latinas in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Amy and Rosa. They're, they're both written just, like, as everyone else. Right. Like, it, and, and that's a fine representation, too, because we're just American like everyone else, but their culture doesn't come in much. I mean, that's the heteronormative, like, challenge of broadcast stations these legacy tv stations is that at the end of the day they're still writing characters from those perspectives yeah but i doubt there's any latinas on their writing stuff right well you're right that's so kind of part of the problem yeah that that's why the culture they just kind of they don't touch on it too much which is okay but it's like not super accurate Mm -hmm. because a little more might come into play for those characters Right. If, so you worry that it's like representation for representation's sake? No. I mean, I think they just cast them because they were good right. and they were representative. Like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I've heard on the podcast, the Good Place podcast, they did a Brooklyn Nine-Nine special. Um, they said they were trying to get a diverse cast because to represent b- Brooklyn. Yeah. 
but they they got a great cast but i don't know if the writers room is as diverse and i question that and that's like a it's an issue that it comes up a lot i don't know if i've mm-hmm. said it before on this podcast um but yeah how the writers rooms are uh still very the white crew, male dominated the mm-hmm. crew uh, uh, lots of things so we are seeing a lot more repre- representation on screen but it's important and one day at a time proves it that you need it behind them you know someone that understands their experiences to be writing for them like superstore does a good job with having some backstory for america ferrera and some latino jokes thrown in (laughs) but it it just one day at a time just does it so well and captures the nuances i feel like it's very surface for everything else i've seen latinas in so that's interesting i just thought that the racism thing was really great in that season two episode one so what about season three season three that the first episode is the funeral, which uh, I thought it was just a really fun. Wait, so remind me who was passing away? Uh, just the Thea, the eye patch oh, Thea. Thea. <laughs> Thea Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. They have nicknames. It is. Like, oh my God, my family. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just, that funeral episode was just a fun one because it had a lot of cool guest stars and it just showed the sort of the larger family dynamics of Latino families and how funny they are and dramatic and like the competition is just so competitive. So we have the speaking of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we have Stephanie Beatrice and what's her name? Melissa Fumero, mm-hmm. uh, the two girls from Brooklyn Nine-Nine guest starring on this episode and that was really fun to see them and it was fun to see them being more latinx yes. <laughs> latina you know because in brooklyn that's when i kind of realized like oh they like they feel even more like real in this and it was just really cool to see them and also the other guest star was remember the singer lady who right Lydia, i remember she was on there but i just don't know she's her gloria stefan and she sings the theme song first of all wait gloria estefan yes Oh. Uh, well, I say Estefan. Estefan. That's just I know I think, Gloria Estefan. Okay, that's her. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she sings and she's like the younger sister of Lydia, Rita Moreno, and they have like a big rivalry over the the veil thing. Mm. And they're like fighting. They think either one stole it. Mm. It's it's messy, but and then Gloria is singing and then Lydia comes in and sings too and they're just competitive and she's like I had cancer and she's like I had a stroke oh my gosh <laughs> and they're just like competing and their daughters are my hardships worse than yours their daughters are best friends and the best friend is Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the mom Lupita but then she ends up being a Trump supporter at the very end remember yes uh, that was funny <sighs> and the storyline with Rosa, sorry, I just call them their Brooklyn Nine names. Uh, Rosa is that she's sort of the one other gay person in the family. And Elena's trying to get her to come out because she thinks she never came out and she's ashamed of being gay or hiding it. But then Rosa explains to her, like, no, I'm out. They just ignore it. And uh-huh. I'm kind of over, like, once you get old, you're, you get over trying to convince them or, you know. Mm-hmm. get people to understand as long as they love me and accept me here it's like i'm fine <laughs> <sighs> okay so <laughs> so let me ask this question again <laughs> okay wait so we got a little cut off 
by my foot <laughs> on the computer. Wow, that's pretty unexplainable. Technical difficulties. Uh, but <laughs> we were talking about, we had a whole ass conversation <laughs> about. Which we're just going to have to skip. <laughs> well, no. Cameron asked me. Uh, you can ask me. Like, <laughs> I'll, I said, I'll, I'll so do it I short. Have one last question is, what do you think about the Latinx term? And I just said, I'm cool with it. <laughs> that was the gist. <laughs> that was the gist. <laughs> Very long-winded way I know. It. it was It was long-winded. I was just talking about how it, the Spanish language is very hard to ungender. Yeah. Just because every single word is gendered. Yeah. Very but, pulled from the non-binary community. <laughs> well, you're jumping ahead. Oh, <laughs> but <laughs> at least Latinx can give people that want to identify themselves as non-binary, non-binary, like an option to do so. Even if we can't ungender the whole language, at least we can ungender the identifying term. And I'm pretty sure it came from the trans and non-binary community. I think even in Central America, but no, I, I don't want to say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm happy that it's caught on. It's become more of a thing. And Elena would say that that is the best term because <laughs> she's cool like that. But yeah, this show literally has representation of so many different niche groups, but does it in an authentic way, which I think is really hard. We talked about the writers earlier, right? That okay. wasn't in mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Good. Uh, so this touches on mental health. Okay. Stigma. With the, with the de- uh, antidepressants? Yeah, the mom's sort of journey with PTSD from the army mm. and antidepressants. They touch on addiction with Schneider. Schneider, you don't see this much in these episodes, but he's sober and mm. he was like a really, really bad alcoholic. We see a little bit more of that struggle later mm. on in the last season. Or not the last season, season three. Hopefully there will be more seasons. <laughs> They touch on, obviously, LGBT issues with Elena. They touch on single parent issues, older women issues, (laughs) obviously Cuban-American racism issues. They touch on veterans, (laughs) veteran issues. It's just so everywhere with the kind of representation. Apparently, Rita Moreno really requested that her character be still sexual because, you know, her character of Lydia is very flirtatious mm-hmm. and very like over the top and dances all the time like she really wanted that just because like the older women are never portrayed as just like fabulous sexual beings you know right <laughs> Which is weird. fabulous sexual it's beings. weird to say that about grandma but also like you know she and she said in the interview she's like it doesn't just go away like we're still right, right. people you know it's it's important to show that it's cool. I mean, it, it gives the character more edge. Well, it f- prevents it from being pigeonholed. Yeah, and she be- like she became like the best character just by being this like over the top diva. Mm. That's just so funny. Uh, it's just, yeah, <laughs> she's very funny. But yeah, did we talk about? I I, I don't know what it's in the lost files. Wow. <laughs> Was the the talk about the theme song in that? I'm pretty sure. Okay, they recreated. The yes. Theme song. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, I hope so too. This is why we need an assistant. Oh my we God. need to be in an actual studio where there's somebody behind a glass oh window that we can't see into. That you is you got thousands of dollars. I will. <laughs> we're 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 looking to some upgrades in the future. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be nice. Just get a nice job first. 
Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just think this family reminds me a lot of my family, but it also reminds me a lot of my friends since I have a lot of Latinx friends that just in many ways remind me of these characters too. Like it's not just my family, it's my friends and their families and it just reminds me a lot of just my community in general. And that's really nice. And that's uh, that I can't ask for more from a show <laughs> for an audience member. And that's fantastic. And yeah. uh, I'm glad that uh, you invited me to come watch the show with you. It was nice. It's to be crazy. Able to I didn't know. Into your world a little bit. Yeah. I didn't know I could feel that way about media. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. You don't think. You don't realize show. what you're missing. Until yeah. At all. Is this how white people feel all the time? With all shows? <laughs> <laughs> Is this how you feel watching every show ever? That's my white culture. <laughs> I have no comment. Oh, my God. I feel like Jewish people are very well represented that way. Mm. In, in shows. I was thinking Brooklyn nine <laughs> But there's a Jewish guy one day at a time as well. He's the doctor. Ah, that, I mean, yeah. yeah. I think they're Leslie. a represented group, all right. But I think that's also, you know, there's some interesting thing points in that in regards to how, I guess, that their culture lends itself maybe better to humor. I don't know. Like there is oh. a humorous culture. No, no, I don't think so. I think it's because a lot of the writer's room is Jewish. Yeah. I think they just know they're just drawing from their own experiences. That's a good point. That's the whole back to the conversation about the writer's room. I wish I had a good Jewish friend <laughs> so I could learn. Why? <laughs> you learn plenty from him. I guess. No, Hollywood. But I, not just learn. I want to experience. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I want to so, go to a Jewish party. <laughs> okay. I have been to one before. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> the food was fun. I bet. <laughs> uh. It was a big party. Like a, it was like a yeah. banquet party. Yeah. Yeah. It was Makes insane. sense. <laughs> For, was it Shabbat or something? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> As I'm saying, like, I literally never got invited to any of those big types of receptions. <laughs> you have a, to, you have to date a Jewish still, person. Still to say. <laughs> <laughs> you have to yeah. date a Jewish person. Sorry, I can't help you there. I've told you about, <laughs> I've taught you about Catholics. And that's the thing. The kids go to Catholic school. That's like me. <laughs> me and my brother. We were dumb uniforms with our long skirts and little blue polos <laughs> it's true yeah well, well um yeah i mean um we covered a lot with the show uh do you have any other pressing thoughts that you want to let people know it's an amazing show and i kind of wrote it off at first and i'm glad i kept going i mean it, it didn't take long but it's so warm I feel like if you watch more episodes, you would grow to love it I'm as well. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's a great show and it just, it's authentic. And I've never felt that before. Yeah. That's great. Well, so you'd recommend the show? Is this how white people feel? Uh, <laughs> Answer the question of the hour. I have no comment. None? I mean, I just like, I don't know. And it's unfortunate just because I think that it has become so normalized yeah. for, for my experience. That's um, true. It's not like a novel feeling to relate to a character. It's really not. And same with like, you know, somebody winning a reality TV show or an award show or something like that. Like it's unfortunately became so normalized that it's like, yeah, it's it sort of feels like we've had for me. It's like we've had our time. Um, it's yeah. Time to, it's time to share the uh, uh, recognition with. Well, it's not even just recognition. It's just like. 
Like, you don't have to watch. I mean, I guess you do because the numbers don't, you know, that's all that matters or something. But, like, we just want our own things that relate to us. They don't have to be, you know, there's still plenty of white shows. You yeah. know, it's like there's plenty of whatever. Do you think that maybe this show could have been more successful if it was on a, like, Spanish-speaking station? It's hard because, so, the one part of the show... Well, I'm not sure, actually. That's kind of... Like, maybe the prob- like, one of the problems is it was on Netflix? No. I think I think I still think it's the advertising thing and the non-desirability currently of multicam mm-hmm. live audience shows. But I, in real life, I feel like this kind of family would speak a lot more Spanish. Mm. But Definitely. I'm... Definitely. Especially with a grandma. Because a lot of times... I mean, that's cool. I guess that grandma came here early, so she learned English. But, like, my grandma was so resistant mm-hmm. to learning English. I mean, it's something something I even noticed as an American speaker watching the show. It's just, like, I felt like a lot of the English was out of place. Yeah. I mean, and, and they do throw in a good amount of Spanish, I think, as much as they can get away with. Mm-hmm. And I think they should keep it English just to, like, because we're in the U.S. I don't know if in a, on a Spanish channel or something it would be all in spanish and as opposed to all, like 98 or 95 in english it would be 95 percent in spanish i mean it would do they sometimes weird. have english shows syndicated on there with spanish subtitles all the time yeah so oh yeah it should be on spanish networks but it's like it's so limited i feel like not so limited but the audience is smaller mm. my mom watches all those shows <laughs> uh, it just feels like it needs to be on a wider state. I don't know. I think it's accessible enough to other communities, not just Latinx. I just think it's hard for people to get started. But we all all races and everyone has been watching white people this whole time. So it's like it's not a crazy idea to watch like a all black show or an all Cuban show or, you know, all Asian show, which all exist now, kind of. It's just, I think it needs better marketing. I think, well, it, I think it comes down to that. Too late. <laughs> I mean, now what? So they're, they're just trying to save it. They have people interested. I trust the head, the showrunners and head writers, Gloria and Mike, to try to save it. I follow Gloria on Twitter, on Twitter and I trust them. They seem very, like, willing to fight. Yeah. And I just hope they find something. They said there's a lot of people interested they have good sort of solid ratings why mm-hmm. like ratings as in rotten tomatoes and yeah. scores and award noms and stuff like that a lot of they're on a lot of lists of like best show you know top tens yeah top tens so they have a lot backing them up i feel like quantitatively and that's the other thing netflix doesn't release numbers that's like a big right. big big thing like how do you how do we even know they're telling the truth? Yeah, or what to them is not enough eyes. Right. They're like, oh, 15 million just wasn't <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't understand why they can't be more transparent. Like, I wish Netflix was more like Spotify. Are you aware of Spotify's kind of? No. Okay, because you don't, you, you have a But it tells, it shows like how many likes or how many listens it has each song um you can see that stuff somewhere but it gives you personalized data about your own 
usage. Listening. Yeah. Especially at the end of the year, they tell you. Right. I know about that. Yeah. All that. Wouldn't it be so cool if Netflix did that? It's like I mean, you, it would be. you watch the most hours of YouTube the kind of does that a little bit too, I think. No. <laughs> no. Spotify, I feel like, is a great comparison to Netflix in yeah. that they're very similar on demand. Yeah. media and similar fields too even i just it feels like i, mean, I don't if know Netflix has the data they might as well personalize it to make it but at the end of the day netflix's goal is not to create this like social kind of network guess, for their users it's spotify just to deliver them yeah spotify doesn't seem super social to me i just feel like it but be- it is and that's like a little bit that's what makes spotify its kind of uniqueness is that it is more embedded into social media. A little. It is. But also, I think Netflix could do that easily. It doesn't have to integrate fully, but I feel like it would generate good like PR when everyone's sharing. Look at my top 10. Look yeah, at my top 5. Yeah, and I agree. Five. Netflix could do it, and they should probably do that, but I just don't know that they ever will. Um, it might be too late for them. I think people would love that shit. I agree. <laughs> be like, you spend this many hours binging. Like, I feel like people would be all over that. It's just so problematic <laughs> because the companies that specialize in these different things are so disparate, you know? And I think that it's hard to share this, you know, collection of things that you like to watch with others if there's not already some plug-in to whatever that outlet is that you want to share that with through like you know your plug into facebook or your well, plug into but the the way spotify does it is you do your little end of the year thing and it just gives you like a little shareable thing like mm-hmm. it would be easy for netflix to give you a little shareable picture of your top five or you know it's it's not it doesn't have to be like direct yeah I don't know. I think Netflix is kind of missing out on like more being able to put the well, yeah, to be able to put yeah. the data in the user's hands. And to Spotify do tells with. you you spend this many hours listening to Lady Gaga. Oh, you know, cool. it's like it's cool. It's like wow, I listen to her so much. You know, <laughs> it's it could be the same for shows. You spend this many hours watching one day at a time. Netflix is a black box. It's just a. <laughs> they're really. You think they're holding out like the the secret weapon? It's like the secret weapon. For the time that it's right, yeah, what, what would I that do. be, a girl? <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? I don't know. And even if I knew, I wouldn't tell you because I oh don't want to ruin my potential <laughs> chances of working for Netflix. Oh someday. my god! There, what, what kind they, of security clearances do the employees have to go through? <laughs> what are they saving this data for? I mean, I think that's a really good question that warrants maybe its own separate podcast episode. The petitions, <laughs> high key investigates <laughs> <laughs> the petitions for one day at a time to be saved have like over a hundred thousand signatures that's it that's a lot (laughs) i'm just kidding yeah you said to be successful you need ten thousand loyal fans i said one thousand super fans one thousand i thought ten no one thousand shit they have plenty of that yeah you need one thousand super fans they got that they may they might even have a hundred thousand to go and sign a petition that's like more work so i i, I say a hundred thousand that's a lot of loyal fans it is i i i call shade well, i feel like a hundred thousand <laughs> has like some kind of legal precedent to it i don't exactly know what what but that's what i feel like is significant about the one hundred thousand mark that many unique signatures then you're able to hold some kind of like legal weight i to don't i don't think i'm legal did the spider get me? I think it got me. I'm scared. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm scared. Don't worry. It did not get you. Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. I saw it. And no, it did you didn't. Not, 
It did not Where'd get on go? you. It went around the wall. Are you sure? I'm positive. You're lying. <laughs> Are you lying? I'm not lying. I saw it go around the wall. You did? Yes. I'm pretty sure it's in my shirt. So I would definitely recommend this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. There's a spider in my shirt. Oh, gosh. Um, You're such a drama queen. <laughs> I think it's very relatable. It's fun to learn about Cuba. I'm actually an eighth Cuban. I wish that I knew more about Cuba because Cuba is awesome. And I feel like America doesn't appreciate that as much. Well, Americans hate or America hates communists. <laughs> you know that. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed to be a very beautiful country. My grandma's dad, when they were very, when they were babies, he got deported from Mexico back to Cuba. And then he had another family there. So my grandma was raised just by her mom. So she's half Cuban, but we are not culturally Cuban at all. So that's kind of weird. We have the Cuban blood, but I didn't know much about it. So this show helped teach me sort of the differences. My mom had also told me because she visited that other family that's very Cuban and they eat a lot of weird stuff. We should go to Cuba sometime. Yeah, I just need to find my passport. (laughs) And with that, (laughs) it's true. We could see my great-grandfather's grave or something, maybe. Hopefully it's still there? Yeah. So I definitely grade this an A+. Nice. I think you should give it a couple more episodes occasionally. Yeah. Casually. I mean, I give it an A based on what I saw. A? After all this, I told you. My A is not good enough? No. And many... Academic circles, A is the highest mark sure one you, can gain. I'm pretty sure you've given A pluses to questionable, questionable shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just, I've only watched three episodes. Okay. Promise me I can't watch give, a, a few more. I, I just can't give anything an A plus without seeing all of the mm. facts. Promise me you'll watch a few more. I can't promise that. Someday. Someday. It's fine. And they're short episodes. Well, your sitcom is 30 minutes No, long. sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's 25. It's true. Netflix is inconsistent like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think you should give it a Well, so that's actually another mark that another thing that I'll just comment on to close out my remarks for today is that I noticed that by, you know, having the Netflix form where you can do a full 30 minutes, it does allow you to kind of get in that serious moment that you want in that form yeah like brooklyn nine it's so fast yeah it's like they have to like andy samberg talks so fast yeah right of course they all do yeah there's not much there's not much breathing i feel like you're not following any of it (laughs) i'm not it's so fast and I mean, that's part of my problem with just TV shows like that in general is they don't give enough breathing room. Yeah. um, Because they have so many jokes and they have to scrap so many jokes. It's like it's already so jam packed. And I comment a lot about it just from the, you know, movie side of it, because in movies, it's more action driven by the, sh- the visual shots to tell us the information and convey the story. Uh, but with the sitcoms, we're reliant really on the dialogue to tell the story. And so it's just not the common practice of the movie training that I've been getting. And so th- I think that from a certain standpoint, just because of what I'm commonly exposed and taught now, exposed to and taught now, I it's harder for me to kind of sit through the sitcom way of entertaining just because it is so dialogue driven but i think one day at a time does it a little better I agree. having that breathing room yeah and the dramedy moments that it feels a lot 
like I I follow the jokes without having to like be oh, laser laser focused. And also like I like the writing of the show a whole lot. I mean, I don't want to say it's dumbed down a level, but it's just a little bit more kind of tight and yeah, it's, um, general kind of generalized a little bit more, like so that more people I think can get it. Which is sort well, yeah. of the nature of those types of sitcoms anyway. Yeah, I think it does a great job of making things clear. Yes, very. <laughs> and Brooklyn and I in the good place, like these are like, you know, you got to and they're you very gotta be laser focused on every word yeah. they are all saying. And there's at, a lot of subtle jokes, a lot of inside speed. jokes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Low key references for sure. Yeah. They just talk at lightning speed on some of those, mm-hmm. especially Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Superstore is really good, too. <laughs> I'm just saying. Wow. There's your plug for the day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, now that we've confirmed that we actually recorded the conclusion to this <laughs> episode, I guess that uh, I hope there's wraps not it a, up for us. I hope there's not a spider in my shirt. I hope not either. We got uh, to go check on it. Oh, gross. Um, but I guess thanks so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate that uh, you we have listeners like you. Yeah. I'll post on the tweet of this episode some like a Rita Moreno interview that was amazing and that intro Mm-hmm. fun recreation the cast did that was really cool too nice I'll um, look, i look forward to that and tweet the hashtag save o-d-a-a-t because Just o-d-a-a-t stands for one day at a time right and that's sort of the hashtag too. was that a trending hashtag on it one was of the definitely days? trending worldwide when the cancellation happened there we go and people i still see people tweeting it mostly because i follow like the writers and you know <laughs> so definitely do that i'll i'll try to do that i just don't tweet <laughs> You should. Yes. At least tweet that. (laughs) It it deserves saving Mm -hmm. so much, honestly. Like, at first I was like, oh, maybe they're just exaggerating and trying to save it because it's diverse. But I think it's so well done. Cool. Well, we hope that it gets saved. We will check back in on that in our end of the year review, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) You can find us on the usual channels. Uh, Find us at Twitter and Instagram at Club. If you have suggestions for improvements or want to chat or if you want to request something for us to cover, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, you can write us an email at highkeepbookclub at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> you should sign us off. No. <laughs> That's your job. Oh, girl. <laughs> well, until then. <laughs> when's then? Until next week, you'll be hearing from us. I should have said it in Spanish. Then say it in Spanish. No! It's like future tense, present progressive. No, I can't. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm stumped too. I can't even remember uh, how to hear. And hasta entonces. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, okay. I'm cut, not. Cut, no. Cut. <laughs> I, I'm getting it. Okay. Hasta entonces. <laughs> hasta entonces. Oirán de nosotros. Buenas noches. <laughs> This, this is, is it. it. Oh, this, this is, is life, the one you get.